welcome to an American but not really podcast. This podcast is for everyone who is navigating life in America, from newcomers to established professionals who have some small and big questions for the society about values, morals, careers, parenting, politics, economy, health, relationships, everything. Based on my 30 years of life experience in USA, having worked in film, advertising, marketing, PR, news broadcasting, and design, from interviewing Larry King to art directing for big corporations, we're here to talk about what it's been like living in USA. Please join in and subscribe. Welcome to an American but not really podcast. Today, my guest is Phil O'Brien. He calls himself an entrepreneur. He's always looking to connect with someone who has survived and flourished through similar experiences as he did. He's in touch with the changing landscape of future work and social media. He helps other professionals to plan an exit or find finance for growth because he's been through all these stages. From the beginnings as a press photographer in his hometown of Liverpool, he enjoyed a photography career which saw him capturing images of the Queen, Princess Diana, Pope John Paul II, Mother Teresa, Nelson Mandela, Freddie Mercury, and so on. But it wasn't enough. He wanted to build something of his own. So at the age of 22, he started his own business, Ampex, a photo agency. Ampex went on to develop an award-winning technology product and became the world's largest independent-owned sports photography agency before it was acquired by the Press Association in 2004. Since then, Phil has been enjoying fun employment with roles as diverse as a strategic advisor to the Duchess of Rutland, to the founding chair of a charitable trust of children. He likes anything which has the wow factor. In 2014, when he moved to New York, he found a magazine and built it up from zero to 90,000 subscribers, from being distributed in hotels, restaurants, and residential buildings to the actual mail and online subscriptions. Pandemics forced many media outlets to close, including his magazine. At some point, he had to go back to UK and couldn't get visa back. Even New York Times covered his visa story. Phil, a native of UK, had his visa denied because immigration officials deemed his struggling business marginal. During pandemics across the country, almost every month a magazine or a paper would close or cut back on staffing. Most professionals went digital, even though the publishers continued losing advertising money. But Phil did not expect it to come to this. He felt that he was running a dedicated local news business that was just getting back on its feet after a bruising stretch. In the interview with New York Times, Phil said, quoting, I feel like I'm being treated like a retired guy who does a blog once every six weeks and wants a visa for the United States. But Phil's magazine and site goes beyond being a blog. He has been covering serious issues before major newspapers would even notice them. He has been bringing attention to criminal, political, business and art scenes of his neighborhood, which is Hell's Kitchen, and it's a big part of Manhattan. He hasn't been just running a publication. He has been building a community that cared what was happening in the area and was acting on it. New York Times reported that at least 90 people, including readers, neighbors, and local politicians, sent emails to immigration officials on Phil's behalf. That's what we call community. While waiting and replying for visa, Phil continued running the site from London. But finally, Phil is well and with us and has never been busier. So you can imagine how hard it was for me to get Phil to be on this podcast. He has a new project and it's called Manhattan Sideways. 
It's a platform dedicated to showcasing small businesses across New York City side streets, and we talk. We will talk about it. At the heart of this project lies a commitment to advocate for small local businesses. Phil will lend his 40 years of entrepreneurial and journalistic experience to the project, incorporating new technology and fostering relationships with even more small business owners on the side streets. So without further ado, here's Phil O'Brien. Hi, Phil. Hi, Elisa. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Great. Thank you. Um, first of all, I want to say that I'm happy that you finally made it to um, New York. Um, <laughs> I know about all of like, the story behind the visa and everything, and we will talk a little bit about it as well. But um, I'm very happy that you finally uh, made it and um, you've been busy since and you continuing um, doing like multiple projects and things like that. So we'll talk about all of this. Great to be um, back. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sure that a lot of people who have been your friends or colleagues or neighbors um, and especially those who who put their you know, effort into getting you back are happy as well. So. <laughs> yeah, I had hundreds of letters and so much support. It was wonderful. Yeah, it's so good to be back after it's five, five months I was away. Yeah, and it's it's amazing the power of community. I mean, it's it's amazing when you were you know that you were able to build this community that really wanted to have you back. You know, I mean, there's like what eight million people in New York, and it's a big deal. You know, to have this kind of support. Yeah, no, it was it, it was lovely. It was very moving, and literally did move me back to New York from uh from the UK. So that's great. <laughs> I'm happy too, and to have you back in New York. Let's talk about your, um, you know, childhood in Britain, and um, what was it like, and what events in your childhood made you want to become a photographer? Because that's how you started, kind of your professional career as a photographer. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I was um, brought up in Liverpool, uh, which many of you all heard about in the in the UK. Um, and my father, um, Paul, was a journalist, so he was a production journalist. So he um, was what they call a sub-editor in the UK, which is like a copy editor in the in the United States. Um, nice. And he and my mum met at the Liverpool Echo, where he worked from when he was uh, 16 until he was 65. Uh, my mum was um, a switchboard operator, so um, sorting out the phones at those times and getting people's calls connected. Um, so there was always a bit of journalism in the family. Um, and then when I was you know, going through the normal school things and career things and what to do when I was 18 um, and my, none of my family had ever been to college, university, uh, I didn't really fancy. I wanted to get to work. So um, I had a couple of choices. I had a I'd built a big model railway set in my um, bedroom with uh, all sorts of trains and mountains and whatever else. And I had a camera. And luckily, I decided to um, sell the model railway and get a better camera rather than the other way around. Um, and I enjoyed, um, really enjoyed the photography. And I think it was part of those years of 
being able to get out and about as a pretty shy teenager, but I had my kind of camera, I always describe as a bit of an imaginary friend, where, you know, when I was asking to take somebody's picture, it was, oh, my friend, the camera really wants to do this rather than me. Um, so <laughs> it was, um, yeah, so that was really how I got into photography and uh, really enjoyed it and then applied and did, did just a one-year course um, in another uh, British city called Sheffield. Um, so I did a year course in press photography and there was just 12 of us nationwide on the course and it was great. It was a, a NCTJ, the National Council for the Training of Journalists and uh, I was spat out of there and started to work in um, photo agencies and local newspapers and it was a really, really fun job. It's a bit like what I do now, to be honest, uh, covering the news, but these days I do it with... Um, not with film and uh, manual wine cameras. I can use my iPhone from the back, my back pocket these days. So that, that was my start. <laughs> so is it is it around that time that you discovered fine employment? <laughs> no, no, no. The, the, well, I suppose it was. I mean, I, I think I've always enjoyed when I've been employed. My fun employment was many years later when I sold my business and made a reasonable amount of money and took uh, time off in the middle of my life in the 40s, in my 40s. And that was my fun employment when I really could do what I wanted to do for a few years. So. <laughs> That's after you, yeah, um, uh, you had a photo agency that you found, the Ampic. That's around this time that you kind of like... <laughs> yeah, did the fun your... employment, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. it's... I think, like, deep down, I think everybody wants to be employed this way, you know? I, I don't... Uh, it's, it's really hard to um, just talk about employment and these days in terms of like there's a few professionals who have career or profession that they really really love and find fun in it but there's also a lot of professionals who do that because of financial responsibility or financial kind of need you know to support a family or whatnot you don't meet many people who would say that you know they have fun working you know when I saw you mentioning that on your website and saying that you you strongly believe that this is kind of like what made you, you know, giving you time to reflect and take on new skills and just kind of like find sense of balance in your life. I kind of felt that this is what I think everybody's looking, but not everybody can find. Yeah, and I think that kind of phase of my life was after, you know, the... Um initial work and then very young in life I took on a business that I ran for 20 years through very many different phases as an entrepreneur as a photographer um, and yeah that, that's a tough gig being a being an entrepreneur the, the photography was always fun um, but the um, running a business is really pretty tough and when we sold the business it had um, around 60 staff it was a, a major business um, and so I always feel the pressure of um, that, you know, if you run as an entrepreneur, everybody thinks, oh, it's great and it's free and you do whatever you want. And it, it's not. There's a lot of responsibility involved in that. So my my years after selling that business and taking some time off with that work were my fun employment and the entrepreneurial work and the photography was enjoyable. But the um, being an entrepreneur is um, a tough gig. It's um 
as you can tell, when you you work very hard and you get locked out of a country for five months, you you kind of feel that yeah, there's a, there's another Everest to climb. That's being an entrepreneur. Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. And um, so, when did you come to New York? Uh, ten years ago. So, uh, ten years ago, last December. Um, and it was a life changing time. Uh, just wanted to see. Um, how it was living in New York for a couple of months and uh, really liked it. Uh, landed uh, in on 37th and 9th, um, which I now know is Hell's Kitchen. But when I looked at the map then, it was kind of, it said Chelsea was below me and Clinton was above me. Um, <laughs> but I've, I've now got to know that. And after, after I went backwards and forwards for about seven months and then uh, committed to rent an apartment on 42nd Street, and was there for a long time. I'm now up on 57th Street, so but I'm oh. st still in Hell's Kitchen. So. We, we were neighbors, yeah. We mm. lived on 42nd Street for quite a few years, and that's yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I know exactly um, the area, yeah. So Hell's Kitchen, um, and and you, you know, around that time, obviously, like 2014 or 2015, um. You, you started a magazine and what made you want to go into publishing knowing that New York, obviously, I mean, it's like a capital of all the like publishing and magazines and stuff like that. And there were so many magazines already out there. Um, did, it, did it ever occur to you that, you know, obviously you will have a competition and it will be so, you know, so hard to start from scratch. You were covering first just, you know, the house kitchen kind of area, you know, with concentration on on what's was happening um in house kitchen but what made you want to go into publishing yeah i mean when i moved to new york i was looking to invest in or create business um so that was what why part of the reason i came and the initial bits of investment were kind of like oh that doesn't really work i wanted to be a bit more involved and then the, the opportunity came up i i originally was thinking of starting a twitter account which would just would be in west 42nd and hudson which was i was on the hudson river and i was at the end of west 42nd street and uh a friend came out of publishing he was a launch editor of magazines I chatted with him. I said, oh, well, I'm, I'm in New York. And obviously it's, you know, it's a big publishing place. But Hell's Kitchen was bordered by on 8th Avenue. There's the New York Times and also Hearst Publishing on 8th Avenue. At those times, Time Out was on 10th Avenue um, and 36th Street. Yeah. Yeah. So and but there was no kind of local media, which I was used to because, you know, although, you know, the New York Times is fantastic um publication but it it doesn't cover new york in the way an old newspaper used to yeah <laughs> because it's very busy on the rest of the world mm. uh so there just seemed to be a little bit of a, a lack and i like the idea of a monthly publication S simon the co-founder with me was on hand to tr get that set up and that was his expertise so uh we launched the the magazine and it was a beautiful product um you know you illustrated a number of the covers and uh, another a number of inside the magazines and it was um it, it was great um but the the business model was always hard you know dead, digital was already there 10 years ago um it was harder and harder to get advertising and that was the model and i think what i'd underestimated at the time was usually magazines when you see them 
in that when they're local are usually based around a lot of it's around real estate and hell's kitchen is 80 percent rental so you don't get that classic real estate if you're in a big town of has somebody or landscape your garden has a new floor has why don't you make a new kitchen why don't you buy this property mm-hmm. um so there was um there was a bit about it in in retrospect it was um but it wasn't the best area it wasn't the kind of wealthiest area to to launch in but no regrets because i love hell's kitchen and you know as i'm sure we'll come on to we transformed transformed during the pandemic to be in digital daily and it's much nearer my route it's much more newsy and daily coverage than the weekly was just a beautiful package put together every month fantastic um editor ruth who carried on the what what simon had set up at the start um you know she carried that on for five years you know it's fa- it was a fantastic product um but so glad you know it can after the pandemic, it converted to a digital product, which I'm super proud of. And I take more of an editor role and a practical role of being on the streets and taking pictures. And I love that bit. So so mm-hmm. all is good. I agree with you that it's, this magazine was pretty unique and it did concentrate so local, um, so many things. And I think I've learned about, because I was living at that time also in the house kitchen. And obviously when you, like you mentioned, all the New York, almost all the New York uh, magazines and newspapers, they, they're not as much of the local as I would say international, you know, Wall Street, New York Times, even New York Post. Um, so there is just a very little local aspect to them. But for the most part, it's just international. So I think I've learned more from your magazine about a local local businesses, everything about art scene, politics, issues from your magazine. So, and it was really fun to have that creative freedom to, you know, illustrate for you guys because um, you were also open to all kinds of ideas and you were not like restricted, you know, to certain like patterns or something that was, at, you know, at that point um, pretty common in other magazines. So, <laughs> yeah, and I, um, and I think you, you've also got to, you know, you when you look at the landscape of New York media, most media people these days live in Brooklyn. And to me, Brooklyn's like a separate city. I think it's the fourth or fifth biggest city in the, the United States on its own. Um, and that's where most journalists uh, congregate, which is kind of strange. And this side, you know, this side of the city, I always felt had a really good history. It's a real mix of glass and steel, new builds. And in the middle is kind of what they call the Clinton Special District, which is all walk ups. It's low lying. It's very small streets and very small sidewalks on the avenue. It's it's a very different and it feels a very classic New York, Manhattan area, which which I loved. And I think we've really helped with the passion of that. And um, I think the what we noticed when we started was that uh, if you looked for Hell's Kitchen, uh, you would find Gordon Ramsay. That was all you would find about Hell's Kitchen. And there was the real estate and a lot of the locals had kind of like, oh, Hell's Kitchen's got such a bad reputation. Um, we, we, we'll call it Clinton. And they, they had all sorts of things. They were going to call it Gotham West, Midtown West, whatever. There was lots of names. And they were trying to get rid of Hell's Kitchen. And I think... They, 10 years on, we've really helped put it back on the map. 
The other ones that were bigger than us that helped it put it on the map were Marvel. And Marvel started in Hell's Kitchen. Uh, they started on West 42nd Street at uh, the old McGraw Hill building. And they um, all their superheroes were in this dreadful place called Hell's Kitchen, which was what they... Um, you know, they, they they did that because it was a dreadful place when they were there in the 20s and 30s and 40s. Yeah. And then interestingly, during our time, they suddenly started remaking all these movies there and then the Daredevil and whatever else. And Hell's Kitchen is now as much associated with New York as it is, is Daredevil. And Gordon Ramsay is a, is well behind in third place these days. So it's... um. It's a really, uh, it's been an interesting journey for this area. Yeah, no, totally. It's almost like reimagining the whole area that's been, like you said, had a bad reputation. And mm. um, I had the same similar experience because um, when I had to move from, I was renting in Upper East Side and then I had to move to House Kitchen because it's more affordable at that time. And because of all this, you know, uh, old walk-ups and, you know, the buildings, um, I remember thinking, like, oh, my God, where am I moving? Um, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I knew Broadway, obviously, you know, Broadway theater was closed, um, but it was not the area that I was thinking about, like, living as a New Yorker. But then, you know, once you're there and once you realize there's like local bakers, local shops, and there's just so many things were opening up in the area because it was kind of like later there were new condos, you know, new buildings and things like that. So um, yeah, it became kind of like a spot to go out at night because of the nightlife besides, you know, Broadway theater. <laughs> yeah no it's a wonderful area and you know as you say you know things like the bakeries you know you have you know you will bump into amy sherber at amy's bread you'll see jim Leahy at sullivan street bakery you know it's it's it, it feels really local and they're world-class bakeries they're you know top class manhattan bakeries and that they're, they're in our area and they um yeah it's great and uh they've got <laughs> good good nightlife good fun and good community i mean what, what i love is Walking down 10th Avenue and if you're around Hell's Kitchen Park, 47, 48th Street, you always bump into somebody. There's always somebody you, you catch up on a bit of gossip with. It, it feels such a neighborhood. It is such a neighborhood. It's great. Yeah. And I, that was actually uh, my uh, next question. Um, it was basically just to ask you, like, you know, while you were leaving and writing, you know, a magazine from Hell's Kitchen, uh, what did you learn about New Yorkers? Because, you know, you're not from um, USA, you're not from New York, but by working so closely with the local businesses. And, you know, New York is known and New Yorkers are known to be like tough people, rude people, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to get your perspective. Like, what did you think about the New Yorkers in the community and just working with them? Oh, I, th I think... I was always part of it when the magazine was in print, but really the, the, there was a big turning point in the pandemic. Um, you know, in March 2020, that was the point where we said, oh, we can't print the magazine anymore. Uh, we had a weekly newsletter and decided to convert that to um, to daily, which is, you know, I've now been, uh, it's now been going for over three years. I've been writing it pretty um there was a period where I wrote it on my own for like a year and a half. Now I have more more people around. Um, but what we found 
was this real neighborhood and community. And I always say to people, if you look at the pandemic, if you look wherever you were in the world on in March 2020, you would have seen on TV an empty Times Square, every Broadway theater closed. So that's all to the east of our area. You would have seen the Javits Center um, with 1,500 hospital beds being put in, ready to help, and the USNS Comfort docking at Pier 88 at the end of 48th Street on the west side of our area. And in the middle of that, which was really the coverage of, oh, what's happening in New York, everybody's locked down, was this community uh, called Hell's Kitchen. And it was full of theatre people, because that's what it's full of. Um, it was people trying to work out to, um, to work from home. There was fear. There was people trying to do, you know, there was, you know, I always love like Charlie Marshall, who's a farm to table, great restaurateur. And he's like, I've got a, a, a wood fired oven. What do I do? Well, I used to, when I was cutting my teeth, I, I made pizzas. I will make pizzas. I will I will work out how we will deliver them safely. I will give people don't want expensive farm to table food at the moment, but I will give them good food, good pizzas, and I'll make them for my oven every day. And, that, you know, there was just a fantastic sense of community. Um, everybody just pulling together, everybody worried, but everybody saying and, the, and it felt like the epicenter of the pandemic for the world. And there was a neighborhood in the middle of it. It, was, it wasn't a TV scene. It was in the middle was Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, I, I saw Times Square uh, during pandemics and it was kind of like almost out of a movie because yeah. it was so empty and you, you never, never, never see Times Square so empty. Everyone was trying in New York to survive the pandemics and it was it was with the help of like you said with the of the community so <laughs> yeah and we we just just took on you know a kind of from march the 13th was like going to keep people um connected updated and upbeat and that's what we've done since and it was it was much so the relationships we built were really deep during that time um in a community you know the you know i've only been here 10 years so i wasn't here I came just after Sandy. I was many years after 9-11. You know, the city has gone through a lot. And that was the time I saw people really pull together um, and, you know, make New York, New York work and want, you know, and still want it, you know, to continue to come back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when you at some point when you had to go back to London because, and you, you know, you had to deal with replying for your visa and that became not only a very long process, but it was also like covered by multiple media outlets, including New York Times. And, um, you know, and I was surprised to learn that there were so many people, including politicians and business owners um, who wrote to the immigration services to help you get the visa because you were denied on the grounds that your struggling business was marginal. So my question was, you know, is, is uh, wasn't it upsetting to have the business that you've been building for many years, the community around it, the reputation, to have it called marginal, you know, and basically not important enough to get you back to, you know, you say and continue your work. Yeah, I mean, the, the um, there were definitely times. I mean, the, the history of it was that my visa was up for renewal just at the start of the pandemic. I think it was in the April it was up for renewal. 
Um, but obviously there was no fly, no flying for 18 months. The US embassy in London wasn't open. So it kind of went all the way through to October last year where I had to leave the country and reapply, which, which was fine. And I was expect, you know, expecting to be in London for six to eight weeks. Um, when I got my interview um, at the start of December, it was a three minute cursory interview. And it was like, yeah, uh, you were doing OK when you had the print magazine and then if for some reason in 2020 and 2021 uh you know you, you're not doing the same business it's not it's not pro, it's not profitable um so we've denied your visa and i was like well there was a pandemic and i was <laughs> just trying to keep people informed and you know yeah there was there wasn't a lot of advertising to go on from the theaters and the local businesses during that time but it was it was just like it was turned down uh, so it was rather bizarre. There was definitely the through December, there was kind of, uh, yeah, there were a lot of lot of different emotions. Uh, there was certainly the emotion was I should have got back on a plane on in March 2020 and not spent two years of my life trying to keep people updated and connected. But that went very quickly. Um, I was just angry with the situation. Um, but the the community support was fabulous. Um, it was great. Like people like the the city and New York Times, UK Press Gazette, um, all covered uh, the story in, in different ways and reapplied. Twenty twenty two had been a much better year financially because the city was back and we got digital advertising and we were profitable. And so, at the end of January, I was able to reapply, saying. Hey, 20 and 21 were like this, but here's a report on 2022. And again, I had a cursory three-minute interview and it was like, okay, go and pay $105 at that um window over there and we'll get your passport back in a week. Wow. <laughs> uh, so <Good. laughs> um, but it yeah, it was yeah, it, it was something it was so unexpected. Um um but but you know the, the marginality was purely financial the 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 interviewer the first time didn't even ask me what my business was uh they looked at the spreadsheet they gave me a piece of paper with a tick on saying i've been denied and when i asked what can i do about this nothing and she walked away from the window so <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> oh, that's i rough. might have been having a bad day we all have them Oh my gosh. It certainly rough. gave me a bad few months. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's rough. Um yeah. so so what you've been up to since you got back to um to New York to the States? Uh, well I I say I say to people that within days it's it was like going on a two-week holiday and then you come back and within two days you're back into it and it all feels the same again. Um but have, what I have been enjoying is walking the streets seeing people, finding stories, because it was hard remotely. I, I still ran and news edited the newsletter remotely for five months. And, you know, I've got great connections, good friends who would give me stories. Uh, one of my colleagues, uh, Natty, we trained her up as a photographer. She's a great social media person. And she starts to take more pictures, which is great. Uh, Sarah, who was the, uh, had been my the writer for about uh, 18 months at that point was great and just stepped up and found stuff. But it, it was the, the feel of actually being on the road and seeing what's happening. You know, it's like we, we were doing a piece on outdoor dining um, 
uh, today, for example, but I'll go and walk the street beforehand and I'll get a feel for, oh, there are less places. Oh, that place has been rebuilt. Oh, that restaurant's actually changed names since I last saw it. There's, you know, it's really good to just be, be on the street again and cover local news in the way it should be done, you know, with, with shoe leather. Have you ever thought um, when you were, you know, stuck in UK, have you ever thought like, oh, well, you know, I mean, I guess it is what it is. I'll just stay here and not go back to the States. <laughs> no, no I, I kind of feel I've got, I, I have incomplete business here. You know, I, I really want to continue West 42nd Street and and interestingly, in September, we bought another website uh, called Manhattan Sideways, which is the work of um, a lady, Betsy, who is a Betsy Polivy, um, who has walked every side street from 1st to 155th Street over the last 12 years. Um, so I'd, take, I'd taken on that business. Now, I, I want to see that through as well. We're just about to, to relaunch that uh, probably at the start of July. And so, so that was the, so, and I, I just want to see those businesses running and much like my old business, which I sold, you know, it was, it ran without me in the end, you know, it was, I was hopefully an important part of it, but the, the engine room, you know, it kept on ticking and I, I want to get West 42nd street and sideways like that. So they're, they're proper businesses, they're growing, um, they're increasing and maybe, you know, look at other sites and, areas of Manhattan or the world to do something about. Mm -hmm. And what what would be your role with uh, Manhattan Sideways? Uh, at the moment, publisher. I mean, so I'm really, I, I don't, we've been looking at the editing process. I, I'm not, a, I work effectively as the editor of West 42nd Street because I really know Hell's Kitchen and I'm a news person. Sideways is much more about, um, lifestyle and experience you know it's it's you and a friend want to they're uptown you're downtown wanting to meet somewhere and you know we can say oh well if you go to these streets on the upper east side you'll find a vintage store you'll find a coffee shop you'll find a tea room you'll find this cute little museum that isn't the met you know we we, we can do all that sort of stuff so i'm, I'm just recruiting for an editor so um we're just uh, about to recruit for an editor so my, my role will be publisher so the business side of that um and we've just recruited a salesperson for that so so that so that's growing so it's exciting times and it's um i'm getting out and about i've i've been doing quite a bit of work around manhattan as well so it's um it's uh it's interesting discovering new bits of the city again because I've been rather insular in Hell's Kitchen for far too long. <laughs> <laughs> so but would you say that you um pretty comfortable with New York as you know as not just Hell's Kitchen, but as you know, Brooklyn, you know, downtown, you know, I don't know, Staten Island, you know, Queens. Would you say that you're pretty comfortable like you know getting around on or... Yeah, I mean Man Manhattan for my simple brain is really good because it's a grid system. So I really like the number above Houston so you know once it gets into the to the what you know ones up to 155th and onwards in the avenues I really like that I get a little bit lost when I'm downtown um with all the street names that's a bit more like Britain to be honest uh I did in the middle of my time here have a gypsy what, what I call a kind of nomad year uh where I did six weeks in different places so I was like on the upper, upper west side for six weeks I was in Hamilton Heights 
I went over to Queens and was in Sunnyside and Ditmar's Astoria. I even stayed with friends out in Scarsdale and commuted in on the um, longer, uh, sorry, on the um, on the railroad into Grand Central um, every morning for six weeks, just to get a feel of how it's like to to live. And I've certainly, I know Brooklyn really reasonably well. I play shuffleboard there regularly. Um, Staten Island only been a couple of times. Bronx only a couple of times. So they're still for discovery. But I've I've got enough with Manhattan sideways at the moment, just going and discovering those extra streets. <laughs> and there's a lot of them. You know, if you consider yeah. there's there's 100 blocks in, um, in Hell's Kitchen. So we're probably talking... 10 times as much when we when we look at what Manhattan sideways covers so yeah Manhattan is I think it's really uh, Manhattan as if you call just you know as a city within city um once you realize how it's structured it's such an easy part of New York to walk um like you said it's the way just how you know the streets named and everything and it's also it's it's just there's just so much to see just within this just like radios you know um and obviously there's upper west side and upper east side and think you know other parts that are interesting to visit as well and and see so (laughs) but i really i really by myself i really love walking around and it's like one of my favorite things like i just don't Sometimes I take a bike or subway, but very rarely, only if I have an appointment and I have to like be at certain time, but if I have, if I have a flexibility and I'm like you, I, I like to explore and find new things. And I always do. There's always new oh, things. <laughs> totally. And and it's funny when I, 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 I've never lived in London, although I'm obviously, obviously British and spent 50 years, I hadn't lived in London. So I, the, the time I was in the UK, the majority of the time was in London. But that's um, a slow city to get around. around. Everything seems like 45 minutes, whereas everything here seems like 25 minutes at the most to get to. You know, I can, you know, even though where I live, I'm on the far west side. So it takes me, you know, 10, 15 minutes to walk over to a subway or I can hop on a a bus or whatever else. But I can get around very quickly. I can hop on a city bike and get places very quickly. You know, I get... I went to some meetings in East Harlem a little while ago and it was, you know, less than 30 minutes to cycle up there. It's, yeah. it's great. Yeah. No, the commute, yeah, the commute in New York, I mean, it can be upsetting, but at the same time, it's so convenient because there is buses, there is subway, there is uh, now bikes um, and you can walk and you basically can actually, if like, for example, let's say everything stops moving, you can actually walk from downtown to uptown. It will take you maybe like, I don't know, an hour, two hours, but you can do that. There are cities where you can possibly like Los Angeles, you know, where it's impossible to walk. There will will be no area or no, you know, side sidewalk. There will be nothing to walk on. We are living in in the best city for commute by foot. And it's interesting. I mean, Betsy's walks have been interesting because hers, you know, it really curates the small businesses, which is also what I love. You know, when you can see, you look the proprietor in the eye and you say hi and you hear the stories and you hear the history is much better than going through a PR firm who have decided what the message is and what they'd like to you to write about. And, 
you can't really speak to the owner unless they're there. You know, it's just like I, I really love the small businesses and it comes to Hell's Kitchen is full of small businesses. It's not a big business place. Yeah. And what Betsy has done by doing the side streets is finding and curating those really uh, cute small businesses, usually with a great history. Um, and even if they're very young, they've still got that entrepreneurial enthusiasm, which I really, really love. Special part of New York, and we don't want to lose it. And that's part of my drive. Yeah. No, I think the project is great because I, I strongly believe in small businesses. I, I, I'm loving this, you know, um, Manhattan Sideways project as well as I did the magazine. I'm always kind of like trying to give um, my um, listeners kind of a word of advice uh, or something to take away from the podcast as well as, you know, for the listeners who who know you or who will be listening to this podcast, kind of like a professional almost advice, being an entrepreneur and also you, you a strong believer in fine employment. What would you advise to the young or any age entrepreneurs, to the expats, you know, who are thinking of coming to America or coming to New York, to someone who wants to move to, you know, to USA and make it happen? Like what advice would you give from your perspective being here for a few years, you know, going through all stages of business, all stages of building the community, all stages of getting to know New Yorkers? Like what, what would you suggest or advise? <laughs> I think the the main thing would be to, and I, you know, it's good, I think it's good advice for life in general, is be, be very open. You know, I think it be open and honest, you know, don't try and be something you're not or put on, you know, a, a different face because you feel you're in America or whatever else. I think what when things really happen is when you are who you are and you're bringing a lot of culture and experience uh, from where you've lived, where you've worked, and then come to America and be open because the culture is totally different here, you know, and that must be very different. Um, it, it's diff so different, even though as an Englishman, we speak the same language. It's so different that the, it, it's incomparable that there is everything is different. And if you bring kind of bring what you have, try and mix it in, make your business. But, you know, it's anything from tipping to signing a bill rather than um, signing the check rather than working electronically. There's so many things that are quirky about New York and the United States, but. There's something special about here is uh, I do love in New York that you can be who you want to be. Uh, ambition is if you're ambitious, you can keep on going and you have to pick yourself up every so often and keep on going a bit longer and keep on going again. Um, but if you're that sort of person, uh, do that and New York will, will welcome you. But it's a slow process. You know, it's um, uh, although it's made out to be a very um, entrepreneurial place. It's a tough place. And the work rules in bigger companies are, are super rigid. Uh, people get through their day just to get through their day and keep their their insurance and health insurance and whatever else. You know, it's um, it, it's a tough old, tough old city. And I can only really speak for uh, for New York. It's a tough city, but it's a lovely city. And it's, uh, it gives me energy every time I... Um, come towards Manhattan and see the skyline I'm, I have a childish excitement and even talking about it now I'm excited by the place that's great that's how I feel about it um and then just by you know when you were talking I just um, kind of thought about um 
this one more question because obviously you know I'm a parent but if you had um if you had a choice say you know raising kids in you know Britain or Liverpool or London uh and raising them in New York knowing now a little bit about you know New York and culture where would you choose to raise them <laughs> that's a really point i i think it would have to be the uk um i i just uh i don't you know i, I have a, uh there was a time when the children were younger where we did consider going out to la and raising the kids but didn't want to drive 45 minutes to and from school every day <laughs> twice um i think the oh it's it's so hard being a parent and it's even harder i think in new york there's definitely excitement um but i don't know whether i could do it to be honest um and i say i admire you know i admire people like you have children in new york i have some great friends um who have triplets and they are in a two-bed apartment on 42nd street and their kids their kids are now 12 i think uh, i think it was their birthday recently and i admire people who can deal with the city in that way and the school system which is like <laughs> the the school system just seems uh competitive very expensive yeah it, it would drive me horror so so my choice would be the uk which i am which is um yeah and uh but luckily i'm not gonna have any more children <laughs> <laughs> no i don't i don't blame you i don't blame you because it is it is tough it's like an our daily conversation with my husband in terms of like literally daily expenses of how much it costs to raise kids and we are just like starting because they you know they five and six so we have many years to go we have to go through high school we have to go through college education we have to go through all the exams so and also besides that it's just the activities and things like that everything adds up and it's mm -hmm. it is it is tough but it's it's amazing because I was pretty excited when um they were born like in New York and they got the New York you know birth certificate because i am not yeah. from here and i always wanted to kind of because i've been living here for so long that i kind of consider myself a new yorker because someone actually who was born and raised in new york told me that i should be calling myself a new yorker because i've been here for so long um but when i saw the certificate of my kids and it says born in new york city i felt a certain kind of pride but also kind of like also vanity and things like that because <laughs> I was dreaming that you know I should have been born here or like how would it be like being raised in New Yorker you know so <laughs> but it's definitely not cheap and yeah we also consider certain places to move but eventually you know um, our work is here you know our friends are here kind of the whole community is here and we really love the city but yeah and, so. as, a, and as a as a parent as you know even after only five or six years experience you know that you get through everything it's amazing what you get through your day and you know as uh things get maybe slightly easier as they get older you you will be like oh wow how did i ever get through those days and oh, you, no. well, you do that whether you're in new york or the uk or anywhere else in the world because it, it's all about the people and uh you know you, you'll push through yeah. and make the most so yeah, and other people set examples. And that's what I always say is that I always on 
the hardest moment I looked at other people or at my friends and see what they dealing with or what, you know, conditions they live in and things like that. And, um, and I think back that, well, if they can do that, I can certainly do that. You know, I had a friend who raised three boys in two bedroom apartment, you know, um, you know, in, in the city. A lot of people cannot imagine not having a house and a backyard. But I'm saying if you survive pandemics with two toddlers in New York, <laughs> you basically can do anything from now on. <laughs> yeah, you got you got the badge. You're a New Yorker and a great parent. You got the two badges. <laughs> <laughs> We got this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I'm so happy that you were able to um, be on my uh, podcast. Um, Thank really, you for inviting me. <laughs> I really love what you're doing. Um, you know, I cannot wait to follow the um, Manhattan Sideways. And I'm, uh, I read your newsletter. Um, I subscribe to it. So um, it's always interesting to see what's going on. Because like you said, there's so many international news and so little of local news. Yeah. So it's actually uh, really inf informative and um, I'm going to uh, let my listeners know where to subscribe because um, even if you're not from New York, it's, there's some pretty interesting news. So oh, thank you <laughs> very much. So thank you so much. I wish you all the best with your new project and many more to come. Yeah. Um, and you. Thank you, Elisa. Yeah. It's great to chat again. See you soon. You. See you soon. <laughs> Thank you for listening to an America But Not Really podcast. My name is Alisa, I'm a designer, and I started this podcast because I wanted to share my journey from leaving my country as a teenager to growing up in America, whilst meeting and befriending amazing people of all sorts, some of whom are my guests on this podcast, who join me to share their life experiences. Hope their experiences will inspire, educate, make you feel good, guide you, and make you laugh. They come from all kinds of backgrounds, but we all have one thing in common. We all live and work and build families and careers in America. You might notice that I might throw here and there an episode that talks about the differences in cultures, but that's because it's part of the idea behind this podcast. Join me for laughters, despairs, and contradictions of my experiences in America and ones of my guests. Don't forget to tune in, rate, and subscribe. To follow the latest updates of the podcast, follow the podcast on Instagram at an American but not really. This podcast is made with the help of this great podcasting platform, Anchor FM. <laughs>